the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Can I say, ladies and gentlemen, I got a clip that I'm going to play for you in a minute. I'm not sure. That's been uh, that's been one of those things. We're not too sure we can say that anymore. We're going to say it. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. You know, uh, by the way, the KKLA Pastors Appreciation Breakfast is coming up May 10th, 8 a.m. Shepherd Church in L.A., I want to remind you to invite your church pastor, staff, ministry leaders. Go to kkla.com and RSVP today. You can you can send it. In fact, do this for your pastors and staff. Go to kkla.com, find the link, and send it to your, your pastor, ministry staff, ministry leaders, people that you know. We're doing this. It's free. It's breakfast. It is meant to encourage, and uh, I hope you can be there. And I put it on my Facebook. If you just want an easy way to forward it to your Facebook people, you can do that also. Uh, just look for Scott Furrow. You can join our conversation on our show by calling 888-528-2557. You can email me at pastorscott at kkla.com. All right. Hey, you know, uh, there is so much going on. And what we do in our show is we take a look at the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And I want to really look past some of the issues in in a way. We're going to deal with them. But, you know, I think that there are things that we can learn. And here is something, I think this is really, really important, all right? we Wisdom, which is one of the things that we are called to have as believers, part of wisdom is knowing the realities of the world that we live in and seeing through it, right? And then acting in a way that is effective in dealing with it. It is taking a look at what it might be said including not just from leaders or people in the news, but from conversations that we have with people that we know. Uh, And to not be a place where we are living in fear, but to see things for what they are spiritually and in in reality, we believe, and actually uh, move forward in life that way on mission. And it's a great way to live. And you know what? The, The political process, while it is necessary, and of course, I encourage you to be involved in all of that, it actually, here's a little secret for you. It actually has very little to do with how God is saving the world. Did you know that? I mean, the, the fate of the kingdom of God does not depend on political contests. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't get active. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But there's a much greater context even for political con, you know, contests and other things like that that wisdom demands. So that's one of the things that we like to take a look at here. Free speech is something that has been under attack in different ways in our country. It's been going on for a while. A lot of people say, when did we get here? Was it just from the COVID? This is a clip from a a cartoon. I don't really recommend the show because it can be kind of foul, but it does make some social commentary. It's from Family Guy. This is from 2017, six, six years ago. And the character on the show is Brian Griffin, and he's trying to apologize to a crowd of people. This is how it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here today to apologize. Why did you say ladies first? That's sexist. Gentlemen and ladies. Who says the man? Humans in the audience. I identify as a basketball. 
Humans and basketballs. I'm a parrot who mimics words but doesn't comprehend them. Humans, basketballs, talking parrots, and, and whatever else is out there. Whatever? It's whoever. All right, all right, just, just calm down, okay? Now you're tone policing us. That makes me uncomfortable. Anything that makes me uncomfortable in 2017 should be illegal. That was six years ago, and people were already uh, kind of crazy. Now that's just kind of what we go through, isn't it? I think that it's important that we look through these things, that we take a look at what to do. A couple of issues today in the news, and one of them is there was an interview with Elon Musk and the British Broadcasting Company, the BBC, and he kind of turns that interview on its ear. It's very interesting. You've maybe heard some clips. I want to go through that a little bit with you, and I think that there are some lessons that we can learn also about how we have conversations with people in life that we might disagree with or, you know— for Christians, we often Easter just happened, right? You probably heard a message maybe about um, you know challenges that people have for the Christian faith. You know, how do you respond when somebody says, "Oh, those Christians, uh, none of that was believed by the early church, or the Bible was written hundreds of years later." People just say stuff, right? People say all kinds of crazy stuff. How do you respond to that in a way that is effective, that keeps the relationship, that that really holds people to the truth? I got a couple of tips from you here. Maybe you've got something that you want to add. The number is 888-528-2557. And a question here is, how can you be successful? What is the key to success in your conversations over tense issues with people? Whether it be in your family or between friends, it can be a political issue. Maybe it's about sports. You know, maybe it's about something that's not really important. But sometimes we have conversations that can get heated or that can, you know, get to a place where they get elevated in a certain way. Do you have tips that have worked for you? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. President Biden, incidentally, gave. An answer to that question today, he is in Ireland. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. And he was asked a question by a child, and the child was, what is the key to success? That was the question, and this is what uh, President Biden said. Whenever you disagree with someone, it's okay to question their judgment, whether they're right or wrong, but it's never okay to question their motive. He said, whenever you disagree with someone, it's okay to question their judgment, whether they're right or wrong, but it's not okay to question their motive. Now, we can bicker about that probably in different ways, but I thought, you know what, to some kids, that was not a bad answer. I wish that the president would actually use that more often as president. Uh, I think if that was his actual message, he would do better in bringing our country together. Um, so Elon Musk, who is one of the richest men in the world, depends on the, the date. My kids like to do this. They like to tell me who the richest man in the world is, you know, based on whatever they've Googled today. And it's usually Elon Musk or it's Jeff Bezos. And it all depends on the stock market and other things that they quite don't quite understand. Um, but um, my son, uh, my oldest son, James, did a paper. I think it was James. Maybe it was John. Forgive me, boys, for forgetting which one of you did the uh, term paper on Elon Musk years ago. But I think that's probably why they're curious. Anyway, wealthy guy. He bought Twitter for $44 billion. And, uh, you know, if you got $44 billion to drop, might as well buy a Twitter. So that's what he did. And he has come under a lot of fierce uh, criticism because one of the things that he has done is he has changed how Twitter allows people to post things. And Twitter, especially during the covid and uh, during the 2020 election in particular, they were very restrictive on the kinds of things that you could say, right? They, and they would block you for saying things like, men can't have babies. They would block you for saying things like, in my opinion, 
the masks don't really work very well for the COVID. You weren't allowed to have that opinion on there and in a lot of social media. And if you kind of went against whatever the narrative was from the government, not just in the United States, but around the world, you were you were canceled. Your account was banned uh, by the company. And it seemed to be one way thinking a lot of it. So a lot of what's happened in the Twitter world is that that has been exposed, the, the manner for that. And part of what Elon Musk's argument is, hey, we should have free speech. We don't think you should say everything, but you should have the ability to disagree and put out information that you think might be true. And for the most part, I think that he's right. I think that for a society to function correctly, we have to be able to hear each other give uh, you know our opinion about information, even if uh, that information is wrong, we have to have the ability to have the discernment to filter it out. And if you give someone else that power over you, whether it be a government or a private company like Twitter, or you know some shadowy group of people that was going on over there at the Twitter machine, the problem is is who determines what's true and what's false ultimately. And something that has played out over time is some of the things that people said were not true or disinformation turned out to be very accurate, actually, in time. And that gets into the problem. Now, I want to also point out, if you're on social media and you do that a lot, there are a bunch of liars. There are a bunch of people literally making stuff up. And they're on the left and the right. And I see it on my feed because I subscribe to people on, on both sides. And there are people who just literally make stuff up. They make stuff up about quotes that politicians said. They make stuff up about the COVID or medicine or other stuff. And it's out of thin air. And you know what? People do that in our life, right? As a, as a pastor, I've had to deal with that a lot. Maybe you have as a Christian where people will say things like, you know, uh, I don't think that Jesus really existed. Or my college professor says that uh, the Apostle Paul was not even a real guy, that all those letters... You know, people say that kind of stuff, but it's absolutely not true and not even supported by even non-Christian New Testament scholars. Did you know that? There are, there are no scholars in the world today of any, any discipline at all who thinks that Jesus or Paul did not exist. Did you know that? You might find some people who say that, and they say that on their social media, but they are not people who are reputable scholars. They're just not. That doesn't mean that it proves that Jesus rose again from the dead and he's the Savior. But to say that he never existed or to say that Paul's writings happened 300 years later or whatever a lot of people say, people say stuff all the time because they heard it or they're just making it up. Somebody's making it up, right? Somebody's a liar. But other people just repeat what they heard and repeat what they heard. We need to stay away from that as Christians, whether it be about our faith or about politics or whatever the subject matter is. We have to be able to discern, and I think this is a key to success. It's a key to success with your faith in making disciples. It's a key to success in your relationships with everybody. We have to calmly discern what is true and what isn't, and we have to fess up whenever we get it wrong, too. We have to be able to do that. I think that builds tremendous credibility. We do not need to defend our side, whatever our side is, when it's a falsehood or when the behavior is bad. That doesn't mean you have to jettison your thinking. It just means that as Christians, there is something that we have to consider is far more important than a side winning an argument. And if you're, if you're a Christian and you're listening, you know, you have to accept something by faith. You have to accept that Jesus is correct in the things that he says. And one of them is that the, the gates of hell will not prevail, right? The church is not going to fail. We may have all kinds of new persecutions in this country. 
maybe even to the extent where a lot of the way we do church with the building and the property and, you know, your nonprofit corporation and all of that, I can definitely see a time where that era goes away, where the way church has been done for centuries, even in other countries, it could end. And you know what? The biblical answer to that is, so what? The church is us. The church is people. The church is the gathering of the called out ones, the ecclesia. It's not the building. It's not the address. It's not the name on the sign. It's people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, people who believe that he died for your sins and that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life, that he is the Savior, that he is, I believe you have to believe is the only way, because if you don't believe that, then you don't get it. And every faith, by the way, thinks that their way of thinking is the only way. You know, your your imam at the mosque down the street is not saying, you know what, I think those uh, those Presbyterians have it right. They might have it right. It, no, he's not saying that. Um, he's saying that they're wrong. Everybody has an opinion, and they think that they're right about that, and that's okay. So I want to get to this thing here. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can call and tell me your secret to success in relationships and conversation, 888-528-2557. I thought that uh, Mr. Musk did a pretty good job uh, in this conversation. He's He is discussing um, Twitter's policies in an interview with the BBC. Free speech is meaningless unless you allow people uh, you don't like to say things you don't like. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. Um, And if at the point at which you lose uh, free speech, uh, it doesn't come back. You know, when he says this, here's something that I thought about. And this is what I mean by even looking through the issue and thinking of it from a, a Christian point of view. It's great that we have free speech. There's always speech. I mean, in countries where you are limited in your free speech, you can still whisper it. You know, people through the church throughout the centuries has been illegal a lot. And yet the church continues to grow. In fact, some of the places in the world today, you know, Iran and some other countries where the church is not either not legal or it's severely frowned upon, the church is growing very, very rapidly. And they don't have free speech and they don't have uh, freedom of religion. But you know what happens is people are able to have conversations. And part of this is to be able to have a normative conversation with somebody who disagrees with you, who has maybe very serious disagreements. Are we able to have that? Have we lost that as a as a culture? I think in a way what gets presented to us often is that, but I think that a lot of us have this skill, but a lot of us have lost it. Just just yesterday, in fact, I ended up parking somewhere way too far away from the coffee shop where I was going to spend some time in the morning, and I had to go for a walk, and I heard two people shouting, two separate conversations. They're on their phones, and they're shouting at somebody on the phone. And it was clear, and the both, it was very interesting to me because it was kind of the same conversation. It was, you don't hear a word I'm saying. You're not listening. You're not doing, and it was that kind of conversation. Now, maybe they were just talking to themselves. You can't tell anymore, and maybe they had other issues, you know, and they should have brought in the white coats to take them away. But my sense was, no, these are real conversations that they're having with somebody who they know closely, and they are extremely frustrated, and I'm only hearing one side of it. So I don't know if the other person is the reasonable one or not, but the way they were presenting it is, you're not reasonable. That isn't effective. And I could tell in these conversations where people were just shouting at somebody through the phone, you know, standing in front of a Rite Aid in a parking lot publicly. uh, That doesn't work. 
And there is something to this. In fact, in our world today, don't be afraid of people who have a different opinion. Don't be afraid to read an article in a newspaper that slants a different direction than you think. It is okay to do that, but you just have to look at it with discernment. I think that is a key to success in communication, in being persuasive, and in making disciples. And you have to listen so that you kind of understand where there's, they're coming from. Uh, here's Elon Musk again in his interview with the BBC. Do you think you prioritize freedom of speech over misinformation and hate speech? Well, you know, who's to say that something is misinformation? Um, who's the arbiter of that? Is it the BBC? I thought that was an interesting question. And notice he's pretty calm. I was, I was grateful that he was calm. The interviewer, his name is James Clayton from the BBC. He is the North American tech reporter, uh, they call him. And uh, he's actually based here in San Francisco. So they're they're having this interview in person where apparently uh, Elon Musk sleeps on the couch in the seventh floor of the Twitter building up there in uh, San Francisco. Uh, probably because uh, if he walks outside, his car has probably already been stolen. Uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Who is the arbiter of what is true information? Have you thought about that in this world today where people say fake news and they say uh, that's misinformation? We've heard this so much in the last several years. Who gets to decide that? Like who is – is there an information czar? Is there somebody who is the ultimate arbiter of truth? You know who that is? It's Jesus at the end of the day. It's God. He knows everybody's motive. He knows where everybody's coming from. He knows what's actually true. And see, I think part of the key to success for Christians in our communication is to acknowledge that. That keeps us humble because the place where we get in trouble is when we decide to nominate ourselves as the arbiter of truth, which is what happened with some of the media organizations, BBC and others. And when things got labeled as misinformation that turned out not to be misinformation— such as the idea that maybe the COVID you know, virus came out of a lab. We don't know that for sure, but it, it certainly is possible. And today the FBI and the Department of Energy, which actually oversees a lot of the agencies that, that actually determine this, oddly enough, there's a lot of funny things in our, our government, the way it's put together. Um, they say that's likely, not 100% true. And the FBI says they, they think the it's moderately uh, possible. They think that's very that's their most likely case. But just two years ago, even I think just one year ago, actually, one year ago, you were banned for even suggesting that. And every news organization just said it was just said it was false. Um, one of the things that happened in uh, the Twitter world is um, Twitter labeled NPR, National Public Radio. Do you listen to those guys over there sometimes? You know, they talk like this. Hi, welcome to NPR. They do some good stuff over there, but it's for sure very far to the left. It's always very laughable to me when uh, they try to say that they're in the middle. The only thing that I think saves the NPR people is there is some good programming, and they do often interview people, maybe by mistake, but who do give both sides sometimes. But for sure, the network is far to the left, right? They refused, for example, to uh, cover the um, Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, because they said it was a nothing story. It's not real. That's literally what the editorial people said, right? That's where they come from, just like kind of everybody else. So he, they got labeled as uh, state-sponsored media. 
<laughs> kind of like they're uh, Pravda or something, well, which they're not. They're, they're not Pravda. And then they got changed to labeled as government-funded media, and that is the uh, current dispute on the Twitter machine. Uh, they do get government funding, uh, but not entirely. A lot of it's publicly funded. But, uh, in fact, they changed it earlier today to publicly funded. It's government and publicly funded, NPR is. Um, who's the arbiter of truth? How do you even label NPR for what it is? I bet people listening have a different opinion of how it should be labeled. I think a key to success for Christians is you've got to understand that Jesus is ultimately the truth. And if you know that, it'll keep you humble. It'll keep you in a place where you realize it's okay if I'm wrong. It's okay if I have to come out and say, you know what, uh, I got this wrong. Another step in that interview went like this. Like, who is going you, to decide that? You that misinformation can be dangerous, that it can cause real-world yes. harms, that it can potentially cause... Um... Yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is the BBC itself has, at times, published things that are false. Do you agree that that has occurred? I, 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 I'm quite sure the BBC have uh, said things before that turn out to not be true. Correct. Uh, it, it's whatever it is, 100-year history, I'm quite yes. sure. Even if you aspire to be accurate... There are times when it will, you, you will not be. And I think that's true for all of us. That's true for me. It's true for your pastor. It's true for your doctor. It's true for everybody that you trust, you know, implicitly. Sometimes they're wrong. And the mistake is, and that's something that uh, you saw in this interview if you watch it, this Mr. Clayton from the BBC has a very, very hard time even acknowledging that the BBC got some things wrong, and they got things very wrong. And maybe they didn't intend to get things wrong. They're just passing along information. They are a little bit more government-controlled in Britain than media is here. And uh, he makes somewhere in that interview a couple of uh, uh, mentions about that, that uh, they don't have all the control over it. Sometimes they had to change things because of the government. Still, they're wrong. What is your key to success in having a conversation where you might be in disagreement with somebody else? And by success, I I mean, it could mean that you're right, that you persuade that person, but I mean, really to be persuasive or really just to make sure that the truth is being discussed as greatly as possible and people aren't just saying things because they heard about it somewhere and throwing stuff out. What do you think? 888-528-2557 is the number you can call now and join our conversation. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'm Pastor Scott. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I've already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Then, that I don't you, think you, this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I that's absurd. I haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have, we only have a certain amount of time. That was Elon Musk having a uh, interview with James Clayton of the BBC, and James Clayton was accusing Elon Musk of allowing more hate speech on the Twitter machine and which is social media. If you're not on Twitter, it's just social media, but it's very text-generated. It's not really a site where you spend a lot of time sharing pictures and stuff. It's an amazing thing because it's it's super powerful in the world today as far as communicating. And the odd thing about it is the 
there's far fewer people using Twitter than other social media, but Twitter is the most powerful. And you have world leaders who make official statements on there. If you remember, President Trump used it all the time until he got banned eventually. Uh, and he could control the news cycle by a 3 a.m. tweet that he would put out, and it would change everything that the media was going to talk about for the entire day. It's an incredible, incredible use of it. So Elon Musk bought bought it, and uh, he is allowing for lots of different kinds of speech that was previously banned, usually political speech, even just giving opinions. You, know, you were not allowed to give the opinion that um, trans women are not real women, if that was your opinion, because it just didn't fit the narrative. And that's what most people actually think. In fact, that's what biology actually thinks. And you weren't allowed. So that's changed. So what I'm getting at here today, though, is not to really get into the Twitter argument so much, but to think about how this a conversation like this happens. Because we get into conversations, don't we, with people where there's some tension, where there is disagreement. How do we make sure that we do this in a way that is effective, that is positive? What is your secret to success? Have you been able to navigate you know, tense conversations in a way. Do you have some advice to give people for how to do that properly? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Sometimes there's advice that you give, you know, I used to give this advice in marital counseling a lot uh, with people, is uh, ask, don't tell. Meaning that if you're going to ask, you know, you want your spouse to do something, Ask them to do it, but don't tell them to do it. it. It's a big difference. And I can tell you, and this is, I think it works both ways. It's definitely helpful, you know, for for husbands, I think. You know, that if the husband is, is told, hey, uh, take out the trash, you know, he's probably going to say, uh, I'll get to it eventually. And he'll probably get to it. And there might be, you know, in my household, Christy and I have a very different philosophy about this. We were we were laughing about this the other day because it used to cause significant tension in our marriage, actually, about when the trash would make it out to the curb the day before trash day. See, Christy will put that trash out on the curb as early as possible. If she could go back in time and put the trash out last week for this week, she would do it. And she starts to get anxious about whether or not we don't have the trash out. Now, in our house, we have to keep the trash in our garage. There's no place outside for it. So, you know, if it's in there for longer than a week, if we were to miss the trash truck, it gets stinky. And I get it. We don't want a stinky garage. And then it makes the cars stink and it makes everything in there stink. And for me, though, I have a different philosophy. If I hear the trash truck and I forgot to bring the trash can out, And if I have to run outside in my underwear and get the trash can out to the curb, if I can get it out to the curb a half a second before the arm of the truck comes down to grab the trash can, I'm perfectly fine with that, and I figure it's on time. Uh, That was a place where where Christy and I, we used to have, you know, stuff there. You know, and she'd say, take the trash out. Would you do it in a minute? You know, I'll do it in a minute, and then I probably won't because I'll forget. Because in my mind, you know, I've got until tomorrow morning a half a second before the arm comes down. And she learned, we both learned two things. She learned it's much better to ask me to take it out. Because the funny thing is I found myself going, you know, when she says, honey, would you take the trash out right now? It would really help me. Then I'm like, sure. And I put down whatever and I go do it. And I don't even think about it. It's just a difference, right? And I also learned that if I want to take care of her better, and, and if she tells me to go take it out, I have to think to myself, hey, you know what? This bothers my wife, even though it doesn't bother me. 
uh, it bothers her. And the fact of the matter is, if I don't get the trash out, she's right. It's going to stink up the garage, and I don't want that, and she doesn't want that. And it just got better for me to get it out earlier. And see, that was something that we developed as a skill where she will ask me to do things. I'm more likely to do it right away. And I'm also more likely to think on myself to say, I'm not serving my wife if I don't recognize that she needs this done right now, even though in my brain, it doesn't have to be done right now. And if you get those things through, which we've done pretty well with 20, uh, 20, I better get the math right. 22 years married this year. And uh, we're much better at that. And we kind of had a laugh about that because we're still in that situation where the trash can really get stinky in the garage if we don't get it out there. I'm much better at getting it out early. And I don't, I think the reason is because, in fact, I don't even think she asks me anymore, come to think of it. We've worked through this. But there was something that we had to do. There was something that we both had to practice in order to get that done. And it seems like a silly thing, but husbands and wives fight over stuff like that. And it can escalate into other stuff, which is kind of the next thing. You don't want to escalate things. That's that's the hard part. I mentioned in the previous segment that there were some people who were shouting at each other over the phone. And I'm only hearing one side of this outside a coffee shop where I was. And they were two separate, totally separate conversations, but they were similar conversations. Shouting and shouting that the other person doesn't understand and just very agitated, very upset. And for all I knew, the other person was was also shouting, or maybe the other person was the reasonable one. I don't know, but lots of trouble there. Do you have secrets to success that have helped you in conversation with your spouse, helped you in conversation with um, your kids or just friendships or even just on political issues so that we can be more effective, realizing at the end of the day, we're on the same team. At the end of the day, as Christians, we want to be available to make disciples the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. The point I was going to make from the Elon Musk thing is that he, in that clip, he's getting a little irritated, but he's asking for examples, right? And if you can do that calmly, that really helps people. Well, give me, you say I always, or you are saying making these claims, but do you have any examples? And this, what the BBC broadcaster was saying is that the hate speech on Twitter has gone up since you took charge of it. And he said, give me an example. And the guy said, well, I see it on my feed all the time. It's slightly sexist or it's slightly this. And he says, so we should ban everything on there that's slightly sexist. And there was a long silence. And he says, no, but, um, and then Elon Musk kept asking him for an example. And he didn't have one. And I think he didn't have one. And if you watch this interview, the whole interview over every subject is like that. A whole lot of accusations for Elon Musk. And in this case, most of them were not accurate. And in fact, there was nothing behind them. It was just part of the talking points that he had received. It gets crazy out there, but we do that in our, in our, our life in a lot of different ways. 888-528-2557. Do you have a secret to success with that? It's hard not to escalate sometimes, especially when you're getting mad, right? Some people, we just have to back off. Sometimes we have to just give it a break, but you don't want to have too long of a break because you shouldn't let the sun go down on your anger. You ever do that? Christy and I, I think one time we went to bed mad, and I, I don't even remember what it was about. I'm sure it was about something stupid. Um, but I remember waking up and just not feeling okay. Like there was something just, it just did not sit right. And I remembered the scripture 
about this and don't let the sun go down in your anger. You know, the Bible has actually a lot to say about psychology when you look at it this way, about how to deal with things. And I've thought about this as we come out of Easter. I know we're three days out of Easter, but I don't want that to be in your rearview mirror because the most important thing for us is the salvation of the people in our life. Here's some questions that people might ask you, and don't be afraid of these things. You know, a common one today is, does the uh, Bible endorse slavery, right? There's people who claim that. There have been Christians who claim that. You know, Southern Christians uh, claimed that in the United States. Uh, And it does not endorse slavery. It acknowledges that that was something that existed, and it gave instructions for how to deal with it if you find yourself in that situation. And of course, Slavery is a little bit ambiguous over history, right? Because there's different arrangements. Sometimes you have indentured servants and sometimes there's property crimes and that's why you're in that situation. You know, there's a form of financial restitution. It's not slavery the way we think of it. Uh, chattel slavery, as it gets called today. Um, and then there is, you know, slavery that's more similar. It's never said in the Bible that it is okay or right. In fact, the Bible is very much about freeing, freeing the slaves, and there is no interpretation that says this is an okay arrangement. You can look at it from another perspective in the world today. You can look at it as employment in some regard. You might think you are a slave to your job wherever you work. You feel that way? Um, there's instructions for employers and employees when you think about that. And you have to respect each other and don't show favoritism. There, there are good answers to some of the hard questions that people ask us out there and a good way to respond. Um, But responding in fear or responding in shouting back or coming up with something else, it doesn't work. Just some thoughts that I want to give you today about the success of communication. I think those things matter quite a bit, and it really helps us. And you can take a look at, you know, this thing in the news with Elon Musk and all of that. At the end of the day, does that matter a whole lot? Um, it's interesting, certainly interesting because it exposes lots of problems that we have as a culture, but we have to make sure that our participation in that isn't bleeding into the way we share our faith or the way we communicate with our spouse or our kids who might very well disagree with us on some significant things, whatever that is, we can do it in a healthy way. And there's some examples of that. All right, crazy stuff going on in the world today, and uh, some people in Ireland found some something interesting in the gutter. Um, there was uh, some important things about the Biden trip over there. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Thanks, uh, John. If you can start on the, uh, the classified document leaks, um, has the president been briefed on this breach and does the U.S. government at this point have any sense of who was behind it? The president has been briefed. He was uh, first briefed late last week uh, when, uh, when we all got word that uh, there were some documents out there uh, and he has been 
stayed uh, briefed and in contact with national security officials uh, throughout the weekend. So he has been briefed. And as for the source, as you know, the Department of Defense has referred this to the Department of Justice for a criminal investigation, and I certainly would refer you to them, but I'm not aware that they've come to any conclusions at this point about where they're coming from. And just to follow up on that, um, at this point, do you believe the leak is contained? Are there more documents out there that have not been released publicly? Is this an ongoing threat? We don't know. We truly don't. That was, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show, that was White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby, and he is addressing this document leak that happened. Maybe you've heard this, it's been dripping out now for about a week, this story, and it's kind of getting worse and worse every single day. Initially, some of the reports were that these documents that leaked, these Pentagon documents, I'll explain those in a second here, were not that important, but they're getting worse and worse. And the ones today suggested and said, in fact, uh, Mr. Kirby uh, confirmed that there are U.S. special forces and special forces from our allies actually working in Ukraine, on the ground, in the country, in Ukraine's war uh, against Russia. That's a pretty big deal, wouldn't you say? It's It would be a pretty big deal if it turns out that our guys or some British guys actually fired a weapon that killed Russian guys. Because wouldn't that mean it's no longer a proxy war, that we're actually in the war? It seems to me it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And uh, to have these documents leaked is something that's very, very interesting. So what happened is some highly classified Pentagon documents reveal details about the United States relationship with our allies and with others. And uh, an investigation is now ongoing, but it matters a lot. You know, while officials are still assessing the validity of the documents, um, there is an effort to try to figure out where they came from. They're probably um, legitimate. And here's the interesting thing about this is the documents appeared on social media sites Okay, photographs of documents. They were like, they were like paper documents, you know, that were all crumbled up and uh, then spread out over a table with like a board game or something behind it. And somebody took a picture on their phone and then published it elsewhere. And some of those documents appeared on a platform called Discord. Now, I I don't know a lot about Discord. It's something that has morphed into something new where a lot of people who play video games were working with it, and apparently. Um, these classified documents appeared in some Discord uh, files for kids who play Minecraft. Your kids play Minecraft? My kids play Minecraft. Wilbert, did you ever play Minecraft? Was this a thing for you? Uh, no, I never did, but my niece did. Your niece did, yeah. I don't get Minecraft. Uh, you build with blocks and material, and yeah, I mean, I get a lot of too much. I get how it works. I don't know why it is so popular. I don't either. And it looks, it still looks like it's something from the, you know, the 80s in a computer, you know, your Apple IIe game almost, you know. I just know there's like zombies or Ender, I don't know what they're called anymore. Ender Dragon. See, That's I'm uh, I'm hip to that. That's like the bad guy you can eventually face. But it's it's kind of like, one person described it to me as Legos Online, like a game where you build you build stuff. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, Johnny built this huge church one time. It was incredible, actually. It was really good. Anyway, um... They, in fact, they have an assignment in school where they were supposed to build like a recreation of a, uh, a California mission that they went to go visit. And on they do it on Minecraft and they turn it in and they show it in class and crazy. Well, apparently you can go on Minecraft now and recreate the the Russian and uh, Ukrainian war. And you can have 
kids, I guess, everywhere are using these military documents to recreate the war. Yeah, it's not the only advanced thing. Yeah, it's it is the wildest thing that these things are out there, and it's a serious thing. So all of that is going on, and it's it's hindering our relationship with our allies because we're exposing them, right? So Britain has has troops on the ground, special forces on the ground in Ukraine. Um, and they have more than we do, which actually I was glad to hear because honestly, I'm tired of carrying all the weight for Europe, right? It's a decent argument to say we shouldn't be doing that. But um, it's a scary thing because it really could escalate this war. Some uh, kid playing Minecraft might have the information that leads to World War III. That is that is a wild truth about the crazy, crazy world that we live in today. World War III might start because of classified information on a Minecraft server. But them's the breaks. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's just how the uh, the world runs. Um, on top of that, today, President Biden is in Ireland. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. And uh, somebody wasn't real smart, though, because they apparently dropped security documents related to Biden's trip, and somebody found them in a gutter, like in the street, like security documents and I don't think we really know. It's a five-page document reportedly containing information on how police officers were deployed around the city and other security plans for Biden's visit. And it was discovered um, by somebody who was listening to uh, BBC radio uh, in the gutter, like somebody just tossed it out a window or dropped it somewhere. You know, do you get the feeling that our government is not serious? You know, we... <laughs> That's a pretty important document, whatever the security arrangements are for the president of the United States to just be found somewhere. So we've got that. We've got uh, President Biden's got classified documents he's been sitting on for years, and President Trump has classified documents in his in Mar-a-Lago. We've got uh, Mike Pence has got classified documents that he had to turn over. We have had these kinds of security glitches, and in fact, these this paperwork that apparently got leaked this time, they say that up to 5,000 people might have had access to this information. Why is there 5,000 people who need to have this kind of top secret access to what might be going on or might not be going on in Ukraine? And what about our relationship? There's all kinds of stuff in there about relationships with other countries, and and none of it makes the United States look good, by the way, And uh, except for the fact that we apparently knew everything about Russia. Like our spying on Russia, we now know was really good, and now it's probably ruined because uh, they can start to close those those gaps and do other things. You know, uh, this is why you pray, okay, for the leaders of your country. Whether you like them or not, whether you vote for them or not, you're not – when you when the Bible tells you to pray – for your leaders, it's not saying pray that they're successful with evil plans, okay? It's not saying, gosh, I pray that President Biden is accomplishes everything that is against your will, Lord, that he might be proposing. You're not praying for that. You're praying that he does a good job, that anything that is wrong or evil or unwise, that he changes his mind because he is the president, whether you voted for him or not, he is the president. He is the one making decisions. When it comes to foreign policy, the president is, whoever it is, uh, that is the person making the decisions. There's lots of things that presidents get credit and blame for that either they share the blame with Congress or sometimes they don't carry any of the blame necessarily or the credit. Um, but foreign policy is very much something that a president is involved with and it matters greatly. And we've got to pray. It is a bad thing that our security appears to be not serious. 
it's a bad thing for our relationship with our allies. It's a bad thing for the potential of a war beginning because somebody's kid finds uh, Russian secrets on his Minecraft server. I guess it's Discord. It's a little different, but it's it's just out there. And that somebody's crumpling up paper and sneaking it out of a building somewhere and taking a picture, and we don't know who that person is. You'd think we'd be able to figure it out somehow digital, digitally. Maybe we will eventually, but that's 5,000 people is a lot of people to have that kind of uh, access. There were Remember when the Supreme Court had the abortion ruling, the draft of it leaked a couple of months before they actually made the ruling. And the ruling that came out was pretty much the same for the most part. So somebody had it and leaked it. There's only about 80 people who had access to that, supposedly. And um, we never figured out who that is. They closed that investigation. Maybe somebody just found it in a gutter outside because somebody dropped it. We, we have, this is, it's silly right now because we haven't seen specifically what's happening. But I heard a guy on the radio this morning say, well, probably American spies are being arrested or murdered or or they're now completely ineffective because of this. And did somebody release it on purpose or did somebody just drop it in a gutter and and uh, found it and then took pictures of it and uploaded it to his uh, Minecraft server? I don't know. I had an opportunity once to drive in a presidential motorcade and work with the Secret Service on that, and it was awesome. It was with uh, the first President Bush. I was in college, George H.W. Bush. And we had to sit through a two-hour security briefing of what to do. I mean, all these different things that could happen. You know, what happens if the president gets attacked? What happens if a car gets a flat tire? What happens if uh, there's an attack on the motorcade? The whole bunch of stuff. And at the end of the day, they could have just summed it up in five seconds by saying, do whatever the guy with the Uzi on his lap next to you tells you to do. See, that... To me, that that would have been clear enough. Um, And I remember thinking even back then it was a little bit loose because I think I kept the document. It's like 20 pages. It's probably not uh, relevant anymore, or maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, And maybe I don't know. I don't remember if I was allowed to keep it or if I was just, hey, this seems pretty cool, and I kept it. I'm certainly not going to upload it and share it uh, with people. It's a souvenir is what it is. I did keep the placard that we used to keep, that we had to put in the windshield of the the vehicle that we were driving in the presidential motorcade. And it said the White House, and it had a picture of the White House kind of in the background. And it says the White House, it was all official. It looked really good. I kept that placard and I used it on my car in college. And um, I parked in all kinds of places on in the campus that I didn't think I was really allowed to park. And I did not get a ticket. You never know. <laughs> that might be the extent of... Uh, of my uh, shenanigans back then. Everybody, this is the Pastor Scott Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about optimism. I want to ask you this question. What are you optimistic about? All this crazy news today. Let's talk about optimism. And somebody announced that he's running for president today who is probably the most optimistic and positive person in either party, in my opinion. I'll share that with you when we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.